Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Welcome to this final wound episode of This Spiritual Fix. Today, we are going to be covering betrayal. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist. Uh, good morning, Anna. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? It's a big day for you. Vaccine day. It is a big day for me, yes. Um, all of my conspiracy theories laid to rest. I'm going to get my vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Um, it's a very fitting day because it is betrayal day. And for our new listeners, just mm-hmm. before we get into betrayal, we like to warm up just to kind of let you guys know how we're doing. So if you haven't listened to us before, that is the common thing that we do. I was going to say, and fittingly enough, whatever we decide to talk about is somehow tied in to the topic at hand. Exactly. Exactly. My cat is eating her food behind me. So if you hear little tinkling sounds there for a second, apologies, (laughs) but I can't deny her, her food. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's vaccine day and it's interesting because there's this whole intersection. I don't actually know if that's the right term of new age people who are like, the starseed people from the alien races are telling me not to get the vaccine and it's a it's a method for control and then you have like obviously all the people in the normal walk of life who are like i just don't want to get the vaccine because i don't want the government to control me or it's like it's more of a kind of a you know or i don't trust it or whatever or it has a microchip in it And then there's everybody else who's just like, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. And it's funny because it's like, I've had so many vaccines in my life. I, when I went traveling back in my twenties, I got, I got all the extra ones. I got yellow fever. I got rabies. I got, oh my God, just about everything. And it's been only recently that I was like, have been reading, reading anything about like that or the, the case, basically the healing work that I did with vaccines, um, to recognize that there are well-documented cases of polio giving people um, like a simian variant of the polio um, vaccine, making people really sick. And it was like a part of this 
book that I used to do releases from that you had to like check to see if people had been contaminated with that. So like, I think going in with eyes wide open and like me feeling like I can do these releases, energetic releases on myself, I'm less worried about it, which is just me being really honest and recognizing that I am a very good mix of like science and conspiracy all in one. And I'm still going to get it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just very, no, I'm very, I'm, I'm in a science field and I'm science-based and I did consult with my higher consciousness before going. My higher consciousness guided me to wait and because other people needed it more and I needed to just calm my doubts. One of my patients is a geneticist. I had a great conversation with her about mRNA and it is safer and been used a lot longer than we think. And yeah, she sold me and I got it Sweet. anyways. But yeah, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was my, um, I had this crazy experience with my phone this week. Oh, so yeah. yeah, it was really, really strange. So what happened was on Easter Sunday, there were a bunch of people over at my, or not a bunch of people. There was like family, like my, my, uh, immediate family, my in-laws were over at my house and I was looking for my phone and I was like, where's my phone? I, was, I asked the ethers. So I was like, where's my phone? Because this is a constant thing for me. I'm continually looking for my phone. I'm like the person who sets off the sound from the find my phone, like every other day, because I just can't keep track of anything on the earthly plane. I'll just say that. So by the I'll, way, my Apple watch does it for me and I just ping it on my watch and it okay. finds my phone. Anyways, just side note. It's a great thing to have if you're ADHD ish. Oh, that's really useful. So I'm sitting here and I'm trying to ping for my phone and I receive a ping that says like what I call a ping is basically like a, like it's an extra sensory thing that basically tells you whether it's your guides or anything else that's telling you where something is. It's kind of like a psychic experience or an instinct. People say it's a gut instinct. People say it's a whatever. Anyway, I get a ping that it's on the mantle place. And the second that I get the ping that it's on the mantle place, I hear a bang, just like such a, such, such a devastatingly, the sound of electronics being destroyed from a distance, from a height, being dropped from a height and being destroyed. And it was like literally the second I got this. And I go over and my, my phone has fallen off like the mantelpiece and has been fallen onto one of the stones, the corner of the stones in such a way that it punctured it. I actually found out yesterday that it punctured all the way through it. Like it literally got, got like stabbed by a piece of rock and went through the protective glass. It went through the glass and it went through the back glass um, and obviously through the battery as well because of where it was. And it was so strange because it had been sitting at rest for 15 minutes before that happened. And so here I am like this, I wasn't upset because I was just amazed by the fact that the second I got pinged about it, it got destroyed. It was just a strange thing. It was just a strange, like I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what it meant. But then when I went to go get it fixed, the guy was like, everybody's breaking these XR screens. Like we're out of supply. Like we don't have anything. And I was like, there's a conspiracy against iPhone XRs and, and like somebody set out a curse so that all of everybody can do screen replacements. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, um, but anyway, it was fun. Uh, we've also been on TikTok. We are oh, also, yeah, also started on TikTok. Cringe. Just kidding. Um, yeah. TikTok. Yeah. It's fun. Talk about forgiveness. It's fun. Mm -hmm. 
it's definitely my favorite learning platform, being a learning professional. Because with Instagram, you only get to see the people who you follow. So you have to know what you like. But TikTok just knows what I like without me having to say I'm following anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. What about you, Anna? I am feeling really good. I gave up. So episode 13 was the way of the peaceful warrior Mm -hmm. um, that we recorded. When we recorded it, I was a little out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I was either really, I was really, I was really tired or I was in a Buddha trance. I don't know what happened, but I was out of it. I didn't, I didn't process the episode at all. And then I didn't actually listen to it till it launched. And I was like, Oh my God, like I got to change my exercise routine and my eating habits. Because in the episode, you talk a lot about how our body is a machine and like got to take care of it. And, you know, meditation isn't as, is, I don't remember what you said exactly, but like I was giving more, more, I was putting more weight on meditation and mental state than on like taking care of my body. Whereas before I had kids, I did take great care of my body and I ate really healthy and I exercised hard and long often, but like after kids, it's just really easy. Like when you're taking care of someone who's totally dependent on you, it's very difficult to like justify taking care of things to you that seem optional for you. Yeah. So my eating kind of got off the wagon, my exercise routine, even though I like do walking every day that fell off the wagon. I didn't like sweat. So anyways, after listening to that episode, I was just like re-motivated. So I download, I downloaded the Peloton app, which I love. I'm doing like four of those a day on top of my daily walk. I'm sorry, four times a week, <laughs> Not <laughs> four times a week Come. of the Peloton app. I'm on top of my walk. I I got rid of coffee, which my acupuncturist told me to do eight years ago um, because I only started drinking coffee when I had my kids. And um, and because of it, my dairy intake is reduced by like 80% because I put dairy in my coffee. And then I decided to just stop eating gluten. And um, I'm, no, I'm like only 90%. But I made these changes and I feel freaking amazing. Like I think coffee... I keep hearing in all these groups about hormones and the acupuncturist told me that like the oil, it's not just the caffeine. There's like oil in the coffee wrecks havoc on a woman's hormone system. Mm. And like I'm in my PMDD week, which for anyone following is um, premenstrual dysmorphic disorder, which is like severe PMS, PMS to the like PMS squared or PMS cubed. It's just like really rough, rough, rough. And I am in that week. I am in those days and this is the supposedly the worst time of the month for me. And I feel great. I feel better than I do during my usual good days. And I really think it's because I've amped up my exercise. I got rid of coffee, the dairy and gluten. I'm on the fence on like whether or not that's helping or not, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because I feel, I feel like a peaceful warrior. No, I feel really good. I feel really, really good. And, um, I wonder why I didn't do it sooner. You know, like motherhood is such a great excuse for taking shit care of yourself or parenthood, I should say, you know, but, um, I think mothers for whatever reason, societal or biological, like we end up for in general mothers, we end up sacrificing more Yeah. or, or, um, giving up more, I should say, cause it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It feels like a choice, but, um, Anyways, that's where I am. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really optimistic. Um, I'm happy that my 
my moods are way more stable since getting off coffee. And, and I timed it like appropriately. Like I get a monthly headache when I am about to have my period. So I timed it with that. So like, I just had a crappy headache for 24 hours, which I normally do anyways. And then that was it. And then like, it was a weekend and I'm like, I'm going to give myself a treat and I'm going to have a cup of coffee because I really love the taste and I'm just going to like have it anyways. And I took one sip and I spit it out. It was like my body, like in having taken a break, my body was just like, no, Anna, this is not good for you. Like I never drank coffee before kids. Like I only got addicted to it because of sleepless nights of a newborn. I needed it. And um, I remember you told me something interesting and maybe we said in another episode that like coffee turns off the emotional body and turns on the mental body, which is great for, you talked about that already. And then anyways, um, I just feel like I'm more whole and integrated, not needing to turn anything off. Yes. That's where I am. It feels good. It's great. So Luke is actually doing a coffee detox this week as well. My husband, Luke, and I had a coffee. I went into town last week and had a coffee on like a Saturday or a Sunday just because it's like my one thing that I do is I never go into town and I'm usually over here in my compound. And every time I go into town, I'm like, I'm just going to go get something. I still have yet to find anything that I like because I'm dairy free and I don't like their dairy alternatives at this amazing little coffee shop in Milledgeville. But I had one sip of this coffee or I had a couple of sips. I probably had like a quarter of it because I'm a, my body is like super sensitive to it. And I got so angry. Like it was decaf and it just made me really, really angry. And I looked at Luke and I was like, what is going on? I like, I feel like I've been so good and even killed and I'm not having dairy and I'm just drinking coffee. And I feel like I want to kill everybody in a not actual way. And he's like, yeah, I feel like that all the time. What he's like, Luke? He's so calm. That's no, scary. It, uh, no, but he doesn't feel like he wants to kill everybody. No, I'm kidding. He gets, he, he gets really angry. Oh, okay. Really I was angry. like, wait, he wants to kill everybody. He looks, he seems like the most peaceful guy ever. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, so it was so interesting because he stopped coffee this week, maybe because he was planning on doing it anyway. And I think the conversation, or maybe had, because he listened to the peaceful warrior episode, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but so he stopped it and it was so interesting because for like two days, because one of the things that they say is that coffee robs your energy from tomorrow. It doesn't give you more energy today. It robs your energy tomorrow. So if you're systemically eating, co- drinking coffee all the time, you're literally borrowing energy from your bones. You're borrowing energy from right. all of these different parts of your body that does not want to give it up. So, so basically you're borrowing energy from parts of your body that don't really want to release it so that you can have this boost of your mental body, of your mental, you know, uh, shut off your emotions, shut off how you care about things. And you're able to get this energy and it feels so great and clear, but like, if you do it enough, your emotional body is going to get, come back with a vengeance. I mean, and you know, I actually think that the anger that you get from drinking coffee is because your, your mental body is agitated from having to continually be the driver in the driver's seat, so to speak, like everybody in my mind, every, every system that we have wants to have an equal say in who runs. Um, Anna well, and I used to do lots of experiments about that when we were younger. Go ahead, Anna. We were, when we were younger, <laughs> two years ago. Um, well, Jenny Carnes, my acupuncturist, the way that she phrased it, which was great inspiration. And yet I didn't take it for eight years was that if you're taking, if you feel like you need coffee, that's the surest sign that you shouldn't drink it because <laughs> When you, when your system is depleted, 
that is the, that you should not deplete it further. Like if your system is depleting and, and, and you're like, I need coffee to wake up. I need coffee to have energy. Your body is trying to say, look, dude, I'm, I I need, I need healthier. I need, um, rest. I need nutritious food. I need meditation. And you're like, oh, you're depleted. Cool. Let me put this, um, jumper cable to your system (laughs) or enforce you to uh, be more depleted. That's how she, you know, I can't remember exactly how she told me, but it made sense. But at the time I was just like, I have newborn. I have two kids in diapers. Like I just need my coffee. I'll deal with this later. I'm dealing with it now. And yeah, the detox was fine. I'm wishing Luke good luck with that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be excited to hear how he yeah. how he feels when it's over. Yeah. But anyways, anyways, should we on move right along? Betrayal. On to betrayal. betrayal. Wound number four of the five primal wounds. Um, but the last almost- wound that we're recording, right? But we're recording it last because I didn't feel. Here's the thing. I didn't feel we were going to record them all in order, but then like, I didn't feel that I really understood my betrayal wound or like I had a betrayal. I mean, obviously I have a betrayal wound. My betrayal wound was super unconscious. So we were like, I was like, I need some time to like self-research and figure out if I even, you know, how betrayal shows up in my life. So we, we, we did this one last because it was the one I, I could least connect to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also, it was also very good. We were very prescient in the sense that we had tried to record two episodes at once. We had tried to record abandonment and rejection at the same time when we first started and we had to reject rejection because we did it second and we just figured that we didn't have anything left to give for it. And so when Anna came out to Milledgeville last week, we were like, we're just going to do humiliation. Like that's it. Um, yeah. We can't record two wounds in a day because it, it, the universe loves to be like, oh, ladies, you think you know this wound? Let me just shell out <laughs> all these lessons and teachings and put you through the ringer and make sure you really know what the fuck you're talking about before you talk about it. So yeah. Yeah. the universe has conspired for us to clean us up for these episodes. And exactly. we, couldn't do, we could not do two in a week exactly. without injecting ourselves with coffee. <laughs> exactly. Or yeah, completely just like, yeah. I, I was doing both and it was definitely very difficult. So I'm glad that we peeled one off. So let's talk about the wound of betrayal. The wound of betrayal in the system that I've recognized exists, but um, it's, it's kind of my system slash our system, um, is that I call the, the betrayal wound it sits in the shadow chakra of the solar plexus because the solar plexus is our power center. And one of the uh, telltale, and so when I was doing the work of going down through all the chakras and dealing with the wounds last year, when we first came, came up with this, I felt like the solar plexus was the control center and the mask of betrayal is, is control. I also felt it in that area of my body, right? Because it was like, it was a power center for, for everything. It determines your breath, which determines your life. And it sits right in the middle of this, of the chakra, of the, of the chakra system. So it really has this ability to be the control center. So the betrayal wound will normally occur between your second and fourth year of life um, in a relationship with a parent of an opposite sex. Uh, This is not always the case, but if you, you know, for people who have this as their primary wound, this is sometimes often um, where you might get it initially. And it's usually because your parent hasn't given you um, adequate attention or they haven't met your expectations of what a parent is supposed to be. 
um, or there are a lot of unfulfilled promises, lies, or signs of weakness. So it's a very interesting thing that, well, so that can be one of the initial reasons that betrayal shows up. But I kind of want to touch into a lot of the nuance of betrayal because when people think of betrayal, maybe the first thing they think of is, hmm, um, my partner cheated on me, right? Right. It's like the number one betrayal that we can think of here because, but it's a very good model for how we can look at all of betrayal. Mm-hmm. So cheating, you have one, you have a promise that gets made, right? You have a promise that gets made between two individuals. One individual basically says that that, that is not actually that that promise is not as important as other needs that need to be fulfilled. And therefore they take, they basically break an active, they actively break a promise in exchange for something else. So they break trust, they break, um, a vow, a vow, and uh, they replace and they do replacement, which is like they go and they, yes, they, they replace, finding a, a, right. The person who's supposed to be your one person then gets replaced with another one person, right? So it becomes, so it's kind of got this really interesting mixture of a, it, it basically causes a knock-on for a lot of other different wounds because the person who gets betrayed often feels humiliated because they're like, well, why, why, you know, I feel like a, I feel like a chump or I feel like a cuckold or I feel like whatever you want to say. I think those are all right. Or they feel rejected. Yeah. yeah. Or they feel rejected. And then, um, and then the person who's who's doing the betrayal may have um, other things coming up as well. But basically, it's 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 a very interesting thing the knock on effect that betrayal has because it's so active. And I want to talk about that for a second because you know one of the things that that a lot of the the literature that I've read um, in prep for this says is that the the kind of betrayal that hurts is the kind that people don't do by accident. Like accidental betrayal is one thing or betrayal that's like associated with, you know, um, just your personality and you don't want to change your personality in order to, right. Like people who lie a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was thinking about that today that like, you know, betrayal is like, like lying. Like what if you're married to a compulsive liar? Like I know someone who lies all the time about Mm -hmm. stupid things that don't matter. Like how would it be like to be married to her? And I was thinking, you just have to accept that that's just how she is. It's not intentional, but anyways, that's a total side story, but Yeah. Yeah lie like subtle lies subtle there's subtle disappointments yeah and so the closer these people the closer the betrayer is to you the ultimate being you betraying yourself which we'll get into but the closer that this that the person is to you the more it hurts because the more is it's it you recognize that the fundamental foundation of your trust has been blocked so if someone abandons you that's more of a passive thing right like Yes, they're breaking Like if it's a parent who's left, yes, they're breaking a bond of, of I'm your parent and I'm supposed to do this, but you know, maybe they've died or maybe something else has happened and they're just going towards something else and you happen to be left behind. Whereas betrayal is an active, I know I am promising you that I will never leave you and then actively leaving that person. Right. It's like it, 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 it forms a more active version of it. Um, so one of the things that, uh, and that's actually one of the precursors that people say about betrayal is that it's usually breaking away from something that has been explicitly or implicitly established beforehand by one person, right? 
But I also want to talk about a number of different kinds of betrayal here real quick. And I, I put them into, um, into five different, uh, well, I put them into to five different categories. The first is betrayal of the body. I talk a lot about betrayal of the body in the um, second episode. And so I really would encourage y'all to go back to that because I talk about um, how I really went through betrayal. The first time I went through it was when I went through it by experiencing it within my own body. The second is betrayal of nature. And the reason I say this is because last night I had a dream. I asked for betrayal dreams last night and I got them. Yay. Thank you. Uh, so I had this dream last night and it was really pretty amazing, but it was, it was, there was a wild, there are wildfires everywhere. And these wildfires all had these, basically it was some naturally occurring phenomenon in which right next to the most intense heat at the edge of the fire, there were these big cold patches right? So it was basically like a strange kind of like thermodynamic shift. And so you could exist right next to a fire. This is obviously not in this world, but you could exist right next to a fire and it would be, you'd kind of be in this cold zone. You were right next to the, the flaming hot um, fire. And so I took someone on a tour, like I took a group of people on a tour of a wildfire, um, thinking that I would be able to just like show them and just always exist in these cold zones. But something happened in the balance right? And mother nature, if you want to say, or the, the soul of the fire got angry that I was doing this and thought that I betrayed them. So they basically got rid of the cold zone. And so by the time I, we were at the end of the, uh, the dream, we were all running for our lives, trying not to burn to death. And wow. so, yeah, it was, it was, it was one of those ones where I wish I was a really good artist and could actually show the beautiful visuals that, that I got in this dream. But betrayal of nature, I think is a really big thing here because we always talk about the wrath of mother nature. And I just wanted to touch quickly on that because I feel like usually we're definitely when we're talking about climate change all the time, we see it as we have betrayed mother earth. So now mother earth has to seek revenge on us, right? Um, mm -hmm. How could mother earth just have, or, um, you know, mother nature, sorry. How could mother nature have a, tornado come down and hit my house. I can't believe this sort of thing. Right. I don't think I deserved that. Right. Like how could, but so it goes both ways. Like we've betrayed mother nature and mother nature then betrays us by sending hurricanes that send go through directly through our house or have tornadoes that do here or have fires that miss this house and hit that house, that kind of thing. So that's like a level of betrayal. The next is power um, betrayal of power, which is abuse of power. And you hear this one a lot in the news. This is like doctors who are sexually assaulting their, their patients is a very great example of this because mm -hmm. there is an implicit and an explicit agreement that I'm going to give you access to my body and you have to take advantage. You have to take care of that. Like you're, you're supposed to be taking care of that. The dream I got last night for that was I was in a soccer game and the coach left in the middle of the game and never subbed out. The new people, which is like a really simple way of explaining it, but it was like so the people who started the game never got to play the entire game, and the people who were, didn't get to start the game never got to play the game. So it was a position of power. The coach basically became absent, and thus um, lost, basically betrayed the people who who didn't get to play. Well, arguably both. Um, and then the next is betrayal of communication, uh, which is something that is 
oftentimes I, I basically say this is as like betrayal of communication is when you're omitting something or you're not giving someone all the information. This one is particularly close to my heart and it's probably very specific, but I give the example and Anna and I were talking about this yesterday. The example is you're going to a wedding and one person knows the dress code and the other person doesn't. And the implicit thing is that you're not going to do anything to make your partner who's going to this wedding feel shame. But if everyone's in white tie dress and you show up in like a spring, like floral outfit, that's nowhere near like a formal evening gown, you feel betrayed because your partner has just not communicated. It's basically betrayal by omission um, is another way of saying that. And then the last is, is kind of all of the categories of self-betrayal. All of these that I've said before can be done to the self, but I think that there are deeper levels of this, which I'll get into in a minute. So before we get into the stories that we have for betrayal, I also want to touch on the mask of betrayal, which is control, right? There are a lot of people in the world who are controlling and you can say, oh my God, everybody must have a betrayal wound. But I kind of want to give you guys, I'm going to read out some of the characteristics of what the control mask looks like. So basically the mask is always there to protect us. It's, it's how we outwardly come out to protect us. And so the best way that you can possibly protect yourself from betrayal is to control everything around you. So the control mask looks like imposing your will and point of view on others. No contact with your own sensitivity is an interesting one that was on this list. Um, uh, you like to demonstrate your own strength right? By demonstrating your own strength in this mask, you're able to actually say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, you can't hurt me. You can't betray me because I'm so strong that nothing can actually get to me. Even if you are betraying my trust, a constant need to improve perfectionism is an, is a way to control because, you know, then basically striving for honors titles, the need to be special and important, attaching important to reputation Lack of tolerance for the lies of others, but lying, but lying yourself, um, mm -hmm. having super high expectations of others, right. And punishing them if they don't meet them. That's mm -hmm. another way that we control and, uh, a strong need for planning and a lack of flexibility in relation to unforeseen situations. Oh my God. That's so me. Like, <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, basically I'm always planning for the worst case scenario because I just, if I can control everything, then nothing can go wrong. And then all of the other knock on wounds won't happen as a result of it. And so that's mm -hmm. where, that's why I see myself as expressing the betrayal wound above and beyond all the other ones is because if I can control everything and if I know everything that's going on, then nothing will go wrong, which is actually just BS. Like that's not true. Of course it'll go wrong. But at least if I know about it, I can warn people about it and I can cause them anxiety. And then I at least feel as if I'm still valuable, right? Because yeah. I've contributed. Other things are going to uh, reaching conclusions too quickly. Um, a tendency to offend um, suddenly ending relationships and cutting off contact is a very um, controlling thing to do, right? Basically not giving someone their their time to say their side of the story or not, or deciding to just not even reason with their side of the story, mm -hmm. determining that you're just going to cut the relationship over, determining that you are just going to turn the relationship off. And you're the one who has ultimate control over the spigot and they don't have any say in it. Mm -hmm. Um, lack of, lack of tolerance and impatience and, uh, basically a tendency to, uh, sorry. Yeah. Do you, can you think of anything else that this mask shows with the yeah. control? Yeah. 
I think I can think of four things actually. One is of well, you kind of touched on it, which is um, big fear of risk. They are not risk takers. Mm-hmm. Um, big fear of risk. Number two, big fear of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Very hard for them to open up emotionally, share personal weaknesses, etc. Number three, as parents, they can be very controlling of their children in the sense of like, like, um, do not let their kids risk. Don't, don't let their kids climb trees because they could fall, you know, making sure their kid is this and this and this, um, very controlling parents. And I think the fourth one is, um, in relationships, I've seen it that they are very like, if you don't do this, then you don't get this. Like they can control people. I give you an example. Like I know of someone who is, has a big control mask and uh, her wound is betrayal and she'll do things to her spouse. Like if you don't apologize, then you don't get to use my car or, you know, I'm making, I'm making up a, an example. Cause I don't yeah. want to like reveal anybody, but it's, it's like, if you don't do X, Y, then you're not going to get whatever. And, and that's very controlling, you know, yeah. I, to, yeah. to give someone ultimatums and stuff like that. And then one more point that I like about, that I'd like to point out about betrayal is that betrayal and abandonment are very similar in that they control others. Mm-hmm. But abandonment is very covert. The codependent is super sneaky about the ways they control the other. They hook their claws in them. And it's a very manipulative, passive way to control. And episode 15 goes into goes into that a lot. Yep. And the betrayal wound also controls the other, but they're very more direct. It's very more obvious. I need you to do this. If you don't do this, I'm not going to do that. You're going to, I want you to do this. Hey, you didn't do that. I'm mad that you didn't do X, Y, or Z. Whereas like the abandonment wound super, super sneaky about it. So they're very similar in that respect, but, but one is covert and one is overt. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's a really, really good way of explaining it. So Anna, I want to open up to your story um, about your betrayal wound and kind of what you've discovered uh, this week and beyond or before uh, and what your experience of it has been. Well, first of all, I'm not a very overtly controlling person because I'm Mm -hmm. a codependent (laughs) and not a, not a controller. It's not necessarily my strongest wound, but I was telling Chris, I'm like, I'm having, I'm struggling seeing this wound show up in my life. And she was like, she gave me like a key and she was like, well, you know, when you get upset with your children, you know, they have betrayed your authority and you're trying to control them. And I started to notice that was kind of like the, like the key that opened the door. I started to notice that when I asked my kids to do something and they didn't do it and it got me annoyed, mad or annoyed. And I would be more controlling, like, no, you need to, you need to pick this up now. I realized it was coming from, yes, betrayal, betrayal of authority. I'm your mother. They should quote unquote, honor me and listen to me. And they didn't. And so my response was to be more controlling. So while that was the key that kind of opened the door, I started to notice betrayal in my marriage. Okay. Like I started to see betrayal in my marriage all over the place. And let me just preface this with saying like, my husband has never direct, you know, never lied to me, cheated on me, stolen from me, like nothing in the grand scheme of betrayal. But what I noticed was, was that for me in like the, in the, in the yardstick of betrayal with like say infidelity or lying, cheating on on the like extreme, 
on the other side of the scale, like much less intense is disappointment. I think disappointment is a form of betrayal. And so what I noticed was there were like micro, micro experiences throughout my entire marriage of disappointment, micro disappointments all over the place. And they bred resentment. Okay. Disappointment leads to resentment. I was talking to my friend about it and he said, he said, resentment is the tax you pay on a long-term relationship. Just like every long-term relationship has resentment and that's just part of it. That's just, it's just like part of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I thought about it. I'm like, he's right. Like it's really normal. Like long, long long-term relationships, most of them have disappointment and resentment in them coming from disappointment and disappointment being a micro cosm of betrayal. And I was like, but I don't want that. I want an exceptional marriage. I don't want to resent a marriage with little sprinkles of resentment in it. So I'll tell you what we're doing for that now. But the point is, is that I didn't really see betrayal in my life that much. But then when I perceived it more as small little ways that I got disappointed, I could see it all over the place. Like little things, like such little, little subtle, innocent things. Like, you know, my husband saying he will be in charge of taking out the trash every weekend, but you know, six out of 10 times he forgets. I, that's kind of disappointing and I feel betrayed, but I want to preface this with like, I'm the one putting the meaning on it. Like he's doing very innocent, benign things. And I, with my betrayal wound, decided to interpret it as disappointment, thus betrayal. Like, like it's me, it's, it's not him, it's me. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of us in our marriages do that. We infer disappointment and betrayal on things that aren't necessarily that. Yeah. But at the same time, give yourself some credit too, in the sense that like, if you've made an agreement with someone, especially if the agreement is like, especially like, if it's like, Hey, I know I'm really busy at the moment. I'm going to do this one thing. And that person doesn't do that one thing. Then, then you have to do it instead. So then you have to perform a self betrayal because you've basically made an agreement with the other person. And you're like, Hey, we made this agreement and you haven't done it. And so I can either go and try and control you and make you feel guilty and make you do it. Or I have to do it for you, which to me feels like a self betrayal because you're just like, it's not having it. Maybe it's just a codependent thing. Cause it's like, it's not having the boundary that says, guess the trash is just not going to go out, you know, like, cause did you ever do that? Or what did you always do it yourself no. if he didn't do it? I would always take it out because then we'll have too much the following week and it will overflow. And you know, of course, because that's what your mind does. Your mind thinks about all the different things, but it still is compensating for someone else's disappointment. So I just want to say that like, you know, in the sense that I can definitely see how it's you, but at the same time, like on the earthly level, on the small self level, there's also, you know, there's also a level of self-betrayal going on if you do something um, that the other but, person doesn't, right? Maybe. Okay. Well, here's a good debate we could have here. Yes. <laughs> because, because this is the question to ask yourself. Okay. Is life, be- this is the ultimate question when it comes to betrayal is life being done for you or is life being done to you? So if I'm mm-hmm. walking around with the attitude that life is being done to me, then fuck, I got to take out the trash again. Well, this sucks. But if I approach it like life is being done for me, I can say, you know what? 
My husband works really hard for my family. Hey, I don't even have to justify it. He's sleeping in. I don't have to just go even go into the justification. And I can just say, I'm taking out the trash because I love my family and I love taking care of my family and I'm just going to do it. And life is for me. Life is, life is helping me break down my ego and break the betrayal wound down. Like, I don't want to roll in. He should have done it. Fuck him. He should have taken out the trash. I don't want to roll in that. I've, I've done that. I did that five, you know, five years ago. That's where I was. I was like, fuck him. He should have taken out the trash. And now when he misses it, I'm like, he forgot the trash. You know what? I'm going to surprise him and I'm going to take it out. And trust me, when he wakes up and sees that I did it, he's very happy and very, and very grateful. So I could approach it at the end of the day. I can approach it for all forms of betrayal. Like, is it being done to me or is it being done for me? And I'm choosing, I'm consciously choosing to believe it's being done for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not the victim in this. Yeah. If I wanted to, yeah, I could let the trash, I could let the trash pile up and then he'll have to drive it to a dump or something, but that's controlling. And that's just, I don't want to be that person. No, that's great. And that's, and that is totally indicative of why betrayal is my major one. Cause I'm just like, you, that person broke his promise to you and he has got to pay for it. Like, I still definitely feel like that when it's, especially when it comes to like earthly things, like um, I think that has a lot to do with injustice though, too, because like, is it really fair? Is it really fair that I have to like continually make up for you for getting to do stuff? But my husband does it for me all the time. Like he literally is continually probably making up for my lack because I'm such a person that I'm just like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to clean the, all right. I just got into this thing and I've been editing it for all this time and I can't yeah. go to the kitchen tonight. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful that I'm around people who are teaching me, um, to not be so kind of injustice and wanting to control others by making them feel bad that they've betrayed their promise. Right. And there's probably countless times, not, not that I need to justify it, but there's countless times that I said I was going to do something and then I got tired or I got distracted and I didn't yeah. do it. And, yeah. and, and I, and he doesn't perceive it. He's really good about not perceiving the bullshit that I do as against him. Like life is happening to you. He doesn't, it's just yeah. happening for him. Whatever, whatever, however life shows up, it's, it's for you. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm really excited to hear how you've healed that um, with him in a second. I'm just going to go quickly into my wound and how it's shown up. And so this is hard for me to say, to be perfectly honest, because it's, um, it's very raw for me still. Um, it's very raw for me still. And as it was also, um, Anna was the unfortunate recipient of my, uh, experience with this. (laughs) (laughs) So I find it really, it's, it's really hard to say, I'm just, I'm going to say that before I get into it. Before you get into it, let Uh me just say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I, you know, it's really funny because when I went to think about this story, I actually had to write it down because I had forgot. I had so forgotten it. I had like in some way I I had like, so gotten over it, but I think that, that it was like the kind of first little scab that comes over something that was like a massive boulder that had come up from inside of me and boulders being the analogy that we use for like the kind of wounds as the wounds come up, you can get little pebbles of the wound, or sometimes you can just get this massive boulder. And it all centered around my voice being heard in particular. Um, 
And Anna and I have been working on this, um, these workbooks, right? So we've been working on these workbooks. If you go to the website, which is linked in the show notes, and then you click on shop, we have little workbooks we've created for each of the wounds. So that's what we're talking about. Right. Because we wanted people to be able to have some support while they were doing this. We didn't want to just like give you access to the wound and be like, have fun. I hope you have your support systems. (laughs) Which is kind of like what Lisa Burbo's book, the, the, the book that we keep referencing did. She's like, hello everyone. Here are the wounds. Here you go. Enjoy. Enjoy knowing how fucked up you are. Bye. (laughs) So Anna, you haven't actually heard this whole story, but Saturday morning, we had so much work to do, right? Like we had so much work to do. Like there was so much editing that needed to go in the meditations. And I had, I had done a meditation, but like the meditation had a lot of issues with it because I wasn't using the language correctly. And I needed to make sure that I used the language correctly. And so I had to like re-record everything. And then we still had to write all the workbooks and we still had to do all this and that. And so I had spent all day Friday, like I basically had two kid-free days. So for me, it's like this sacred, sacred time. And I'd spent all day Friday editing episodes, editing, um, creating my meditation that I then needed to redo. And like, I just basically, and then I had spent a whole bunch of time waiting for Anna to send me her meditation so that I could edit it while I was sitting at my computer, because I knew I had a ton of work to do on the farm and like a ton of work to do in the afternoon. And so she never sent it to me. And in the time that I was sitting at my computer and oh my God, this is like obviously pulling up a lot of stuff from my breathing thing. Sorry for my voice. Um, and it was so interesting because I think, because we've talked about this before, but basically, you know, um, Anna got really upset with me when it came to injustice during the injustice wounds, because she felt like I wasn't pulling my weight, um, which I wasn't. Um, because I was self-sabotaging because of rejection. So there's like all the wounds have like really interplayed in how we've actually even produced this podcast. Like we're getting super meta (laughs) here, right? And and so I finally yesterday, or sorry, Saturday, I finally got upset in the morning about how unfair it had been, which is feels like injustice, but it was actually, I'll get to where it gets to betrayal here because betrayal is the deepest wound in this whole mess of experiences. And I was upset because I was just like, I want to contribute, but I have this full time, or I don't have a full time job, but I have a 30 hour a week job. And I have, to, I usually end up doing it 40 hours a week and I'm busy during the day and I can't do anything. And Anna can do it whenever. And so she does it. And then I feel guilty that I haven't done it. And then I don't get any say because I didn't have any time to do it at the time. I didn't do it before she did it. So she's, amazing codependent who does all this stuff all the time and like gets into these work things. And then all of a sudden I don't have a voice because I didn't have enough time to do it or because I didn't do it fast enough or because she thought I was procrastinating, which I wasn't. And so I got myself into this tizzy because I was just like, where's my voice, right? That was like, that was the key out of all of this was where's my voice. And it just came to an absolute head when Anna was like, had left these portions of the workbook for me to write. And, and we then go in and, my codependent, yeah, in my codependent right. overperforming. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get so so basically, uh. so I had looked at it on Friday, and in Friday it had just said intro, Chris, write this. Like, write this intro, right? Like totally blank slate. I can do whatever I want. I go into there on Saturday morning and she's written an outline for me, which I'm just like, 
fucking seething about because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm supposed to be doing this. I know in the back of my head that Anna is doing this because she thinks she's helping me. She thinks she's making my life easier. But I'm just like, you've just completely stifled my voice. I want to be able to write this. Right. And Anna, go ahead and say your whole like, you know, from your perspective. Uh, Well, from my perspective, it's just funny. This is how wounds collide. collide. Mm -hmm. Hers primary wound being betrayal and my primary wound being abandonment. The abandonment wants to is a codependent, you know, the abandonment's wet mask is the codependent. So in the codependent, the o- codependent overperforms and overfunctions and tries to save others. So she was upset about how much work she had to do. And I was like, I had left her all these parts in the workbook to, f- to fill out. And then like, I thought, well, gosh, she's got a lot on her plate. Why don't I just go in and write them? And then all she has to do is tweak it. And then she only has a 10 minute job instead of a two hour job. I'm going to go in and do it. So I get, you know, put another hour into this workbook for her, you know, thinking I'm helping her, thinking I'm making her life easier. Little do I know I'm triggering her betrayal wound and she's feeling betrayed because she's feeling like I'm not letting her have a voice in the workbook, which was like, it's just funny, not funny, but I mean, this is how wounds collide. I mean, it's, it's like, hilarious, actually. <laughs> it's like I was, I in my in my um in my overperforming, contr- um, con- trying to contribute and help, I actually fucking made everything worse. But but I had a good good intention, but I was totally. just blind to the I had I was blind to the way that that would impact her because right. in my in my world that's what I would. Because me as a codependent, that's what I would want someone to do for me. I would want someone to take care of me. I would want someone to do as much as possible to make my life easier. But and 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 I would be more interested in being helped than I would with expressing my voice. <laughs> but for you, it was totally the opposite. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Please. <forgive me. laughs> no, 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 no. But but this this is why it's so interesting because it, the it culminated. The moment it culminated was when we were both. I basically had said I was going to go into this and Canva is not like we use Canva and Canva is not like Google Docs. Like you can't have two people writing at the same time. Like it just doesn't work. So, so you, you, we kept kicking each other out, but I just thought it was a fluke. I didn't realize that you were kicking me out. <laughs> right. Not only that, but everything I wrote was being deleted. Literally everything that I wrote, I would spend all this time writing something and thinking it was really good. And then it would just disappear and be replaced with Anna's words. Right. And I was like, so, so so Chris my question for you was Uh that being done was that being done to you or was that being done for you oh I can see it both ways I can completely see it both (laughs) Both ways ways. oh I was hoping I was hoping you had gotten to the point where you were like it was being done for me (laughs) oh well no I mean well yeah because that's the thing like when I say this is raw like but the thing that, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to, so I'm going <laughs> to get to say, the process how you, okay, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get to the process before, but I'm actually going to jump over to you, Anna, because I'm going to leave everyone in suspense. And I want to talk about how you healed your betrayal wound, Anna, go ahead. Okay. Well, when, again, when we say I'm healed my betrayal wound, or when we say we've healed anything, we just, we've taken out a lot of, of pebbles on the top or removed a boulder or two, but it's, it's an infinite silo <laughs> as the, the analogy that we give in episode 15 about, you know, these wounds are like, we have a silo of them and there's some are boulders, some are stones, some are pebbles. And yeah, this is how I'm taking, I've, I've removed a lot of pebbles and stones and maybe even boulders off the surface. Okay. So Okay. So I'm doing, I'm doing three things. Okay. First one is just awareness, being aware of it. Meaning if my child disobeys, disobeys me, 
just being aware of that, like just being aware of the feelings that come up when they don't do what I say, like, like how can I serve them versus making it about me being betrayed? Okay. Because as a parent, my ultimate goal is to serve my children to be the most whole kind versions they can of themselves. And if I'm getting sidetracked by my own betrayal bullshit and need to control, I'm not totally serving them. So just finding new ways, like I'll give you one like example was um, it's spring break. And normally I come up with the agenda, which is very controlling. And I thought, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to come up with the agenda together. So I got a piece of paper and I said, okay, kids, everyone, including mom puts in four ideas for spring break. And then because I'm the adult and I know more about money and COVID safety and logistics, I'll be in charge of which ones we actually do. But I promise that everyone will get something off their list happen during spring break. So, you know, they put zoo hike, you know, one was impossible. My son put, you know, travel to New Mexico. So we, what I did was, is I made them part of the, uh, I didn't control it. You know, I modified my control. I made them part of the decisions that we made over spring break. Like they were part of the plan. Whereas usually as a parent, I'm like, I'm in control. I'm going to be the one delegating where we're going. And this time I didn't, I made them involved in the decision-making process. So just little things like that. So number one is just like being aware and, and thinking, how can I serve versus control? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think they really enjoyed it by the way, it, it was re- for them. It was really awesome to do these activities and like, be like, this was on my list. You know, it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Okay. Number two, number two that I'm doing is I'm asking myself this question, which we'll get into a little bit more, but which is, is life happening to me or for me? And I believe now this is just a decision you can make. You can choose to believe life is happening to you and you are the victim and whatever, Mm -hmm. or you can decide that life is happening for you and that every fucking thing that happens is happening for you. So even if your spouse lies, cheats, steals, ultimately, yes, even that it's happening for you. Maybe it's opening you. It's, it's happening for your growth. Maybe you're Maybe you're growing from it. Maybe you're learning what your boundaries are. You know, there's 101 ways that that's a gift, despite mm-hmm. it not feeling like it. And, you know, the, the example of when my husband forgets the trash, I could see it like I'm a victim or I could see it as a gift. And I'm making the decision to see it, that it's a gift because life is full of stories. Why do we love Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime? Like, why do we love stories and movies and books? It's because humans love stories. Our life is stories. So what story are you going to tell yourself? Are you going to tell yourself the story that you're the victim or that you're being gifted? Okay. And I want to go more into like disappointment and gifts in a little bit, but I just want to kind of focus on these three things. So the first one being awareness, Mm -hmm. second one being just asking myself the question, how can I make this situation or story for me and not happening to me? And the third one is Ho'oponopono, which we have a whole episode about, which is episode 14. Is it 14? Yeah. It's 14. Yeah. 14. And, and in that, just to like give a quick little revision is the idea that you say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you to anything that's bothering you and to anything you have done. So my husband and I had a really good talk when I told him we were working on the betrayal wound and I talked to him and I'm like, look, I don't think you've ever, ever intentionally betrayed me, but I think that just because of my expectations, either verbalized or not, I've had like little episodes of being disappointed in this marriage. None of them 
you know, none of them deal breakers, but just little disappointments sprinkled throughout the relationship. And he like, was like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, well, let's, what can we do for this? He's, and he had just listened to the episode. He's like, I got an idea. So every morning we put our hands on each other's chests and we look each other in the eye and we say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And in the evening, before we go to bed, we also put our hands on each other's chest on our heart chakras. We look each other in the eye and we both say, we take turns saying it three times. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Because forgiveness, the remedy for resentment, the remedy for disappointment is a shift in perception and it's forgiveness. So we're doing this all the time. And I swear it's like, it's like, it's like, imagine you have like a, a you know, those paint, the, the paint app back when we had windows mm-hmm. and we yeah, used yeah, paint. Yeah. Imagine the screen is full of like all these little bursts of dots. And those are all our little resentments and disappointments. I feel like every night we're, we're coming in with the eraser cursor and we're just like deleting three or four little spots, <laughs> three or four little spots getting deleted. Like, I feel like, I feel like. I wouldn't say we're like back to the honeymoon phase yet, but I feel a rekindling of love and gratitude for my husband that I haven't felt in years because now I'm not saying it's children's fault, but just having children with someone and living with someone can bring up a lot of micro disappointments and um, we, which is totally normal and all relationships, if you're being honest, have them. So it's, I'm not trying to say like my relationship sucks. My relationship's wonderful, but yeah, we have them. And, um, you can go into the analogy about the bricks and and mortar if you want. I don't know. No, no, you do it. You do it. Go for it. Okay. So anyways, but, so that's what we're doing to, um, that's what we're doing to, to heal our marriage, heal the betrayal in our marriage. And, um, it's working. I I can say it's working. Yep. Um, yep. Say, say, say the analogy that Robbie brings up about bricks and mortar. Okay. So Robbie, our shaman, who we always love and talk about, told us that when she got married to her husband, Rick, he sat her down and was like, in this marriage, there will be no bricks and mortar. And what he meant by that and what she agreed to, which is beautiful is, is the analogy that like in marriage, little resentments can build and they become like bricks. And then, and then, you know, anger, mortar and bricks and mortar, bricks and mortar, bricks and mortar. And before you know it, there's a, a little wall between you and your spouse. Maybe it's only up to your knees. Years go by, years go by. You got a wall to the ceiling yeah. and it gets thicker and thicker. And then it's two people living in the same home and they're not really a partnership. Yeah. And um, I think, I think again, that has a lot to do with control. You're over here and I'm over here because I feel betrayed. I feel micro disappointments. I've laid my bricks of disappointment, my bricks of betrayal. And then I'm controlling myself. I'm protecting my vulnerability by staying on my side and you protect yours by staying on your side. And we never come together. And I, and I, and I've seen marriages like that. Are there living in the same home separated by a, a wall of bricks? So how to tear that brick, that, that wall down is forgiveness and vulnerability and and letting go of the need to make things fair, letting go of disappointment and seeing the world is like happening for you. The world is happening for you and not to you. And our spouses are microcosms of the universe and everything your spouse does, whether you like it or not is happening for you. Yep. Yep. And, and also you don't need to be perfect in your relationship. You don't, you're not any less worthy of love 
if you come across as not being perfect and in control of everything. And I think that's a, that's a huge part of it because that vulnerability that we're talking about is that vulnerability that comes when you're saying, Hey, I actually don't, I fucked up. I fucked up. I'm not perfect, but I'm still worthy of love. And, and you know what? It is far more attractive to me. One of the most attractive things is for a partner to be like, Hey, I fucked up and I'm sorry. And they admit being wrong. That is far more attractive to me any day than them coming to me with like a manifesto of all the reasons they're right. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a turn on. Yeah. It's, I would be interesting, interested in a follow-up to this to actually have a conversation with men about this. Cause I know that both of our husbands on different occasions have been like, we can't be vulnerable to y'all. Um, because we have to come across as like the strong man or whatever like that. And I'm like, Hmm, let's get into that someday. I don't know if that's really true. I think on the surface it may be, but I think it has a lot to do with this kind of control and like people playing their roles. And when people don't play their roles, that's a level of betrayal. But I think that's for a different episode. It's just something that I think is a really interesting part of this is that people not fulfilling their roles, whether it's a parent or it's a body that's supposed to work or any of these different things that can come across as the betrayal is that if you've, if, if you've assigned an identity to them and they're not behaving in the way that they're supposed to, they're not being the strong man in your relationship or they're not being the strong woman in your relationship or they're not being whatever it is, then you're able to see this as that can also trigger betrayal in you. And so, mm-hmm. so I want to now follow up with the end of my story and how I am healing this process and how I actually really realized it was betrayal. So everything culminates And I'm literally sitting there trying to write this workbook and I'm blubbering. Like I'm just crying. I'm shaking. Like I can't, it's like some, the boulder is coming out of my me and I'm trying to be functional. I'm like, I can't do this. So I go and I dig holes because that's what I had to do. I had to go dig holes. And so I go and I dig holes and I'm just like, the anger is just coming up. It's just rolling up in me and just being like, at first it's just Anna, 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 Anna. And then I'm like, Oh, fuck that. I know this. Wait, I know how to do this. I've done this so many different times. It has nothing, nothing to do with Anna, (laughs) nothing to do with Anna at all. This is me. What am I saying to myself? Like what is going on? Betrayal is what feels like is coming up. I know that I'm in the betrayal week. What am I learning about betrayal? And so I just keep asking myself. So I basically, what I did was I, the first thing I did was I recognized it had nothing to do with anyone outside of me. It was me. And then the second thing I just did is I kept asking because it was really hidden deep. Like it was really hidden deep to be like, I love Anna so much with every fiber of my being. She is such an amazing partner. She's doing all of these different things. Why am I trying to destroy this thing by like having this stupid, irrational anger. And like, you know, there was a certain amount of self beating up at that point to be like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I trying to destroy something that is works? And it's like, yeah, it has its moments, but like it works. Like we are both in a self-development, like we're both in a self-growth thing where we're always trying to become better partners with each other and understand each other better while we're producing this. Why am I trying to destroy that? And ultimately what, it and then came, you bashed your phone telekinesis <laughs> and then I bashed my phone. Right. Cause I just needed to like, well, cause, cause that was a form of self-hatred. Right. So that, that side note, no, side note, I was like I, that. I literally I just opened phone, the biggest I loop think, ever. <laughs> I think, sorry, but I think when this phone exploded, 
Yeah. That was the anger. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's totally a really, that's, it's a really good point, right? Because that, that is a totally good point. But what it came down to was that I started to recognize that the reason that I was so upset was because my voice was being stifled, but it wasn't because Anna was stifling my voice and it wasn't because the timing was off and it wasn't because of all these very specific human small self things that came up. It had to do fundamentally with all of the self-sabotaging that we do. We talk about this in the rejection episode of like how I like, I anticipate rejection by not putting any of my stuff out there. But ultimately that rejection is actually seated in a self-betrayal. I have a certain amount of power in the world, right? So I have a certain amount of power and capability and gifts and whatever you say, just like every other person does. And by me not expressing my opinion or kind of being, you know, like kind of just always saying, yes, that's great to everything or um, not putting my input into things or not like creating the boundary that actually where I can express my power is what undermines. It's what betrays the power that sits within me basically is how I feel it. Right. It's very, it would be very similar to like always wanting, this is Krishnamurti, um, is an author who I absolutely love. Um, and he is all about like, kind of, he's, he's all about like, if you want to be a painter, then you need to be a painter. Like if you go and you spend your entire life being a banker, when all you want to do is, is be a painter is you are literally betraying your nature. Like you're not listening to yourself. You're not recognizing it and expressing your identity and expressing your passion. Now I can go into a lot of this because I've talked with a lot of my clients and I've talked to myself about how, you know, there's always a balance. There's always a balance in things, but not betraying your own power is the, is the fifth one that I talked about earlier. And that is what was coming up at this particular time. This wound just happened to bring it up. Right. And, and this podcast and the entire experience of this feels like for me, life work, it feels like the work that I'm trying to do to, to express the power that I have within me and express the wisdom and express whatever, and express the vulnerability that I can, that can help other people. Even if it only helps one person, even if it only helps me. Right. Um, and I was recognizing that what I was struggling was to not betray my own power. Right. So all of the, all the, all the creative stuff that I create, I think is actually really amazing, but by not finishing it, I am completely betraying my gifts. I'm, I'm portraying, I'm betraying my passion. I'm portraying the reason that I'm here on earth. And because I'm continually self betraying in that way, because I'm continually not expressing and not finishing things, it doesn't have to do with what I have as my occupation. It doesn't have to do with anything else. It has to do with finishing something and being okay that it's not perfect and releasing it because it'll never be perfect to anybody. Right. But I'm trying to control the outcome. I'm trying to protect myself. Right. So ultimately betrayal, self-betrayal shows up like self-protection, like self-sabotage, like all these different things. And there are other wounds in this, you know, you could get confused about how any of the other stuff is happening, but the recognition that I had of the fact that by protecting myself, I was betraying my power. Right. I was, I, and, and what has happened as a result of that is that I hate, I, I hate being a human so much. Right. Like I, and I, I constantly feel like I'm under the thumb. I, this is, it goes exactly back to what Anna was saying about to and from, but I constantly feel like I'm under the thumb 
of some unknown authority that is going to end my life at any possible time, that is going to make me sick at any possible time, that is going to do all this kind of stuff. And, and it becomes this massive distrust and betrayal with the universe or God or whatever the governing power is in your life. And that is to me what the, the essence of the betrayal wound has been to me is this ultimate victimization to say, I have no control over my life. So let me try and control everything that I can, even if I can't, right? Like, let me become this like perfect thing that is, you know, never actually really going to be perfect, but let me try and become perfect. Let me try and control everything around me. And let me try and protect myself because that is going to protect me from all the uncontrollable bullshit that is in the world that I cannot control. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I, if I feel like the whole world is doing stuff to me and I feel like I'm constantly being betrayed by this universal power, who's not telling me what's going to happen and who's not doing all this kind of stuff, then like, what am I, you know, how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to live from day to day? If I can't just try and uh, like put overt control on everything around me. So oh, you can tell I'm like still processing a lot of this stuff, but you know, if I want to summarize all of that, that I just said, I want to summarize to say that, like, we do a lot of things in the mask of control for people who fundamentally feel betrayed by having to be on this earth. Right. Especially that's compounded if you feel like you have a purpose and a power in the world that you are not expressing, right? Nothing to do with power, like nothing to do with control. Like power and control are not the same thing. Power is the, is the raw expression of your passion and your purpose and all these different things. And it has no regard for what happens in the external environment at all, right? It, all that it has to do with is I am expressing the power that is in me and my light is going to shine however bright it's going to shine and I'm never going to dim it for other people and I'm never going to pretend to be other things just to make other people comfortable, right? And so for me, I have these two layers of this wound, which, which says, first, I don't trust the power that is governing me, which is life and humanness because it's vulnerable, it can die, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Like it can, it can turn south at any point. People can be taken away from you from any point. What a fucking cruel joke this is of life, right? Like that's the one level. And then the second level is, is feeling that. And then also feeling like you're not actually even being yourself because you're continually trying to protect yourself from that base, base wound of, of victimization and things like that. So that was a lot. What do you think, Anna? It's a lot, but it's, very relevant. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, it, and, and I think it ties into what I wanted to say about betrayal yeah. and life, which is that, um, a couple, so many things I wanted to say, and like, it's not, they're not like lining up in my mind in an organized way, but you know, disappointment, let's say disappointment is like when things don't go the way you wanted them or expected them to disappointment is normal. And maybe it's even good because with disappointment comes growth. Like the majority of my growth and your growth has come because things don't work. Like something, someone's boulder hit up against your boulder or your mm -hmm. boulder came up, you know, like, like a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of friction. It leads to growth. Cause we're like, this isn't working. Like, what can I do differently? How can I change? What resist, what resistance do I have? And so looking at little disappointments as gifts, 
and being like, okay, this didn't work, but it's a gift because I'm going to change. I'm going to change my perception. I'm going to let go of a wound. Like I'm going to shift something. I'm going to grow. Yep. And like taking the step about like the lens of marriage, you know, there are disappointments in marriage. That's normal. But like, are you committed to grow with each other? Or even you and I, we're friends, like we're committed to grow. Like, yes, you were disappointed in me this weekend, last weekend. And I was disappointed in you four weekends ago, but like, what did we do with that? We took that and we, and we saw that it was happening for us mm-hmm. and we grew and we're committed to growth. It reminds me because I'm a big fan of Buddha and the Dhammapada of this quote. It says in the Dhammapada verse eight, one Oh three, the one may conquer a thousand times, a thousand men in battle. Yet he indeed is the noblest victor who conquers himself. And I think that that quote is very telling. We want to control the world. We want to conquer a thousand men and a thousand battles. And we want to control things outside of us because we think that that's going to make us safe. But ultimately it comes down to you. Like, can you conquer your ego? Can you conquer your shit? Can you let go of your wounds? Can you forgive yourself? Can you heal yourself? You are the truest victor when you can just surrender to life and see that life is happening for you. Yep. Yep. And, and I have one more quote that I love. It's from red framed revelations. Um, I found it on Instagram and it says, this is just a wonderful quote for anybody needing a little help shifting from the life is happening to me versus life is happening for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether you pushed me or pulled me, drained me or fueled me, loved me or left me, hurt me or helped me, you were a part of my growth and I want to thank you. Mm, that's awesome. And, and that's, and to kind of tie up the, the kind of where I'm at after this process, I, you, you, I started with forgiveness in the same way, right. And recognizing I've had that lesson multiple times and yet it had to come deeper this time, right? Like it had to come deeper because it was like this fundamental schism that I was having with my humanness and the vulnerability of being human. And, you know, one of the practices that I've done that I did was that very thing was like recognizing that everything is medicine, everything in life. Like that's the way I I think of it for some reason is, is everything is medicine. And if everything is medicine, then, then you can be ultimately receptive to everything in your life and you can choose to treat or everything is food is actually how I've said in the past, you can choose to say, I don't like this food and you can stop eating it, but it's all food. It's all nourishing your body, right? Like it's all, it's all there for your growth. And like that shift is massive. The other thing that I feel is helping me besides constantly practicing forgiveness and self-love in this process is recognizing that in some ways, the betrayal of your own power by expressing your own power and your own humanness without care for who you're, you know, for just letting your light shine as, as much as it is in whatever way you want to be passionate is somehow acting as the antidote for my general fear and distrust of life. And I think that 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 is a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing as to how that's actually worked. And I think that by being unavoidably and and unexcusably me, then I actually 
fulfill my purpose in the world, if that makes sense. And by fulfilling my purpose in the world, I don't necessarily trust that the world is going to take care of me anymore, but I do trust that, that I feel like at least I'm taking this moment right now, even if the moment gets taken away in five minutes, but I'm taking the moment right now to be everything that I can be and be everything that I am right now. And that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's like what I'm meant to do. And that's, that's, that is a fundamental self-love that betrayal takes away. It's a fundamental lack of trying to protect yourself, which is what we're trying to get away from, right? Is trying to protect and control everything. It is un unequivocally just saying, this is who I am in this very moment. Even if this moment is not going to last next, the next moment, maybe, maybe the expression of me dying and dropping dead on this microphone right now is an expression of me being my, being myself and being my power and fulfilling my purpose. And that is what is important. And I think, you know, that is the advice I would give to anybody who's in a very similar position to I am right now. And that the, this, this betrayal comes into such this deep, deep, disdain of being a human and not trusting the world is just say, just do your passion. You don't have to do it as your occupation, but you do need to un like un just, what is it? In completely authentically be yourself. Right. In every moment. So, yeah. yeah. I think it ties into like, we talk about this in the other episodes that for every mask or every wound, you have a corresponding life lesson. So like abandonment's life lesson is emotional autonomy. Mm -hmm. um, the person with the rejection wounds life lesson is to face their problems maturely and not run away. The person with the injustice wounds lesson is flexibility, like flexibility of opinions, flexibility of view. And for the betrayal wound, the life lesson is self-trust. Yeah. So you can trust others and you can take risks and you can be vulnerable when you actually trust your back. When you got it in your mind and in your heart, you're like, I have my own back. I've got my own back. And that's fundamentally, if you're dealing with a betrayal wound, you got to focus on self-trust and having your own back because, and going into that whole Dhammapada quote about being your own victor, because if you've got your own back and you trust yourself, then you can fulfill your passions and then you can be vulnerable and then you can take risks because you know that whatever life throws at you or whatever anyone throws at you, you have your own back. You're going to be okay because you got this and you're not going to betray yourself. And yeah. the more authentic you are with yourself and the more you trust yourself and the more you've got your own back, you're not going to be paranoid as you're spouse cheating on you. You're not going to be paranoid. Is that person lying to you? You're going to be paranoid. If, is that a risky situation? If you can trust that you got your own back and ultimately life has your back too, but that's a little more esoteric, but if you got your own back, you can do, mm -hmm. you can do all, everything. Yep. Yep. Not everything. You know what I'm trying to say? You do everything that's in your purpose. That's within your, you can, your realm. Yeah. Right? You can follow your own heart. You can take risks. You can be vulnerable. You and can then let go of control. Exactly. Because control is all about why, how can I control the outside world to protect myself from terrible things that are inevitably going to happen? And that's just not the thing. If you trust yourself and you express your power and you are authentically you in all of your brightness and all of your shadows and all the other bits, like all of that, if you're just that and you're unequivocally you, 
and you never compromise that, then nothing can touch you. Even if something happens in the external environment, nothing can touch you. Love yourself. Love yourself. Express your power. Yeah, cool. This is a Wayne Dyer quote. How people treat you is their karma. How you react is yours. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this final wound episode of This Spiritual Fix. Please stay tuned next week where we'll be covering Insight, another process to help you. And then the next week, we'll be offering you a summary of the existing wounds and how to deal with it when your family members or friends or loved ones have these wounds. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.